Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsythe. Glad you're able to spend some time with us here over the holiday period with uh, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsythe on The Advertising Show, being brought to you by Advertising Age Magazine. Visit online at adage.com. Advertising Show is a copyrighted Big Radio Midgets production. As always, each and every week we try to line up guests that are intriguing, informative, and downright fun to talk to, and also ones who can answer true, false, multiple choice, and essay questions if we decide to give them to them. So I think Alex Ben Block falls into that category today, so we're happy to have Alex, not only for uh, for this week, but Alex is back with us uh, next week as well, and um, basically what he's doing is taking a look at what uh, 2010 produced in the entertainment industry, and uh, a look ahead at 2011 here, amazing, 2011, gee, I'm feeling old, how about you, Brad? Well, just the date makes you feel that way, or was it something personal? I think that 2011, if we look at our birth dates, Brad, and they're very close, is a long way away. So that would be nope. the that would be the premise of the uh, of the uh, observation. The fact that uh, you know, back in 1951, yeah, they had uh, <laughs> not a lot going on. Anyway, 2011 well, already. It's pretty cool. You know, the way I look at it is, there's a lot of people around that wish they could have lived till 2011. So I'm real happy about it. That's glad. I'm glad you're there too, because without you. What would we have for Channel 2? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, Ray. I, I promised last week that we'd talk about Lufthansa Airlines and a brand experience that I had recently. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make this short in simply saying that not only was it an outstanding uh, brand experience from a consumer standpoint, and I'll leave that to others to go out and fly Lufthansa, but more importantly, I had an issue, and I'm not going to go into detail, but I had an issue that involved some – mischarges on uh, an extra baggage that I uh, extra baggage that was checked and it was misquoted and I checked with Lufthansa and we went uh, sent an email they came back with more than I expected in terms of an adjustment and they could have done nothing and I still would have probably flown the airline again just because of the experience of flying Mm -hmm. that particular airline but the fact that they uh, went over and above and beyond what any consumer would have expected from uh, making good on something that truly was a missing communication, uh, mm-hmm. which they did, which they didn't have to. They could have just said they were sorry, and I'd still felt good about it. But uh, in doing that, I find myself now telling all kinds of people that I know that travel a lot all about Lufthansa and the wonderful experience that I had, and you know. It's the old saying, it's the opposite of the old saying, you know, do something good and nobody talks about you, do something bad, and the same person tells 100 people. Well, I find it, uh, frankly, enjoyable to tell people about the grand experience that I had with Lufthansa, and if you're out there checking airlines and going to Europe, check it out. That's good, and and that's a very nice. We could, we actually could have used that as a commercial, long commercial, but it was good, good one as well. You know those <laughs> those Germans, they're so good. I'll tell you, that's a nice thing. And you're absolutely right. It's all about uh, even when the customer may be wrong, uh, which you may have been, or, you know, misunderstood something. They took care of it for you. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if 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 uh, you need to get something fixed, fix it, as the guy on Saturday Night Live says. 
fix it. You know, I had a similar experience with Apple and no detail on that. But I think more and more larger uh, companies, companies that have an understanding of how important the brand is already, are going out of their way today to make sure that an existing customer is happy with their product because it's easier to, to you know, keep an existing customer than to go out and try to convince two or three new ones to come aboard. So, And the companies, the service companies and the product companies and such who don't get it, and the yahoos who were on those, hopefully uh, you'll be out of business so we won't have to deal with you anymore. Uh, that's the way it goes. Hey, uh, Jeremy Kent is with us, uh, as always, with our European Correspondent Report, and we've got Jeremy coming up here in just a, a few moments. We've also got, of course, Alex Ben Block, and we'll tell you more about Alex, but we've really got a, a cool connection as well as it relates to how you can get the advertising show and you can get something extra. What a special deal. It's not a t-shirt. It's not a mug. It's something you can actually use. Well, it's a new sponsor. It's audible.com. And if you're listening to the advertising show right now on your MP3 player or iPod, well, then you're into audio already uh, taken on the road or wherever you might be. You know, Check out audible.com, especially now while our listeners are being offered a free opportunity for a 14-day trial. Now, how many opportunities do you get that are really free, no strings attached, 14-day trial to check out not only all of the books that audible.com has available, New York Times bestsellers, current releases from uh, a variety of categories, including arts, entertainment, fiction, nonfiction, but more importantly, you also get a free audiobook download. So now is the time to check it out. How do you do it? It's simple. Just go to Audible Podcast dot com slash ad show that's audiblepodcast.com slash ad show and sign up today it's that simple today's broadcast is brought to you by audible.com where you will find over 75,000 different titles to choose from so check it out audiblepodcast.com slash ad show and get your 14-day free trial and free audiobook download yeah there's such a great group of people that we work with here at the advertising show and a great offer too I hope you can take advantage of it. At least check it out, all right? Check out Jeremy Kent here coming up momentarily on the advertising show. Jeremy is our European correspondent, and every week he has a report and an update on what's cooking over there. Uh, it's, it's always great, and we do appreciate Jeremy's efforts here, as well as our longstanding relationship with our guest today. Not only this week, but next week, he's Alex Ben Block. Alex is an award-winning entertainment industry journalist, author, commentator, and talk show host. He's the senior editor of The Hollywood Reporter and the lead editor on the book George Lucas's Blockbusting, which was published to great acclaim earlier this year, back in January. He is also a show business historian for Hollywood Today and a regular contributor to the advertising show. Uh, he's a, a popular public speaker, too, as well. So that's Alex Ben Block. Uh, and, and if you didn't, um, or if you want to know more, and I'm sure you do, uh, Alex has uh, uh, got a website, I'm sure, doesn't he? Where is it? Uh, TheHollywoodReporter.com. You can check it out and find out more about Alex Ben Block. It's funny. You would think he would have a website, Brad. I don't know. But uh, <clears throat> anyway, so we've got uh, Jeremy coming up here momentarily and Alex a little bit later on in the show. And as we wrap up the year, we want to say thanks to all of those folks who have been listening uh, throughout the year. And uh, hopefully we'll continue to listen into uh uh, 2011, as we continue to bring you more in great interviews from the folks uh, around the world who are really making important contributions to advertising and marketing and what's ahead and what's been there and done that and all that kind of good stuff. But uh, right now we, uh, we go overseas a little bit, at least across the pond. Here is Jeremy Kent. 
Hello, I'm Jeremy Kent and welcome to the European News Desk. This week, Burberry reaps the benefits of advertising, the Advertising Association attacks the plans of the UK government and a Dutch ad agency takes phones back to 1985. Burberry, the British fashion label, has reported an 18% increase in revenue to over $1 billion for the first six months of this year and pre-tax profits jumped 50% to over $185 million. Alongside a good product, the company claims much of the success is down to a simplified online buying process and some powerful digital marketing strategies. Under the Labour Party, the UK government became the country's largest advertiser by some margin. Austerity measures announced by the new coalition government will mean a dramatic fall in government ad spend and the way advertising is procured. At the moment, marketing is channelled through the Central Office of Information, but the government has expressed interest in a US-style ad council and asked the ad industry for its views. The proposals have not met with a warm reception from the Advertising Association who pointed out that the Ad Council is a charity and that it doesn't exist to deliver government advertising. This is just the start of the consultation process but the coalition government has shown an appetite for radical reform and change has been swift during its first six months in power. Ten years ago Japan had the J-Phone and now Dutch advertising agency John Doe has launched a similar handset for Europe. The anti-smartphone has no camera or web browsing facility. It doesn't even have a screen for text messages. All it does is make and receive calls. The John's phone comes in a number of colours, costs around $90 and will work everywhere in the world except Japan and Korea. The creatives at John Day believe they've spotted a gap in the market for a simple phone, but they did recognise the need for some increase in functionality, so each John's phone comes with a small pad of paper attached to its back to record numbers. This is Jeremy Kent at the European News Desk for The Advertising Show. Jeremy Kent, thank you so much for the update here this week at The Advertising Show, our European correspondent with uh, Rachel and Brad Forsyth and Alex Ben Block. As always, a pleasure. Alex, welcome back to The Advertising Show. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. There you go. And, you know, uh, looking back at 2010, it's going to be adjust your rearview mirror. This should be easy for Alex. Many of these things we've talked about already, but... (laughs) You know, it's a great recap looking back at 2010. And when you think about 2010 and you think about the late night talk show circuit, how can you not think about Jay? Or what should we call it, Alex? Major what? Well, it was a major upheaval, actually, is what occurred. Uh, you know, NBC tried the great experiment where they moved Jay Leno to 10 o'clock five nights a week, and that turned out to be not so great an experiment. And then Conan O'Brien, as we all know, was pushed out so that to make room for Jay to come back at 11.30. And uh, now Conan O'Brien this fall has returned on uh, cable television, on TNT, with his own uh, talk show. And uh, so far, not only getting good ratings, competitive ratings, but getting the younger audience that's been so elusive Hmm. in late night and really has been what the uh, advertisers and the networks have quested after. And while I happen to be a big Jay Leno fan, uh, I'm in his demographic because his average age is like 60 years old. And uh, actually, uh, Letterman gets a slightly younger, but not very much younger. Mm-hmm. But Conan's getting a much younger audience, and that's highly desirable to advertisers. And even though he's on cable, they're able to charge the same amount for an ad on cable as they do on a broadcast network, uh, which is really quite unusual. And at least for now, Conan looks very competitive. So what about poor old George Lopez? Didn't he get booted out of his slot to make room well, for Conan? Pushed back to midnight, and uh, <laughs> apparently they did ask his permission before they brought Conan on. Wow. And uh, he is still there. He's doing his show. And if anything, Conan turns out to pre- be a pretty good lead-in for him. <laughs> and although he's getting less than half the audience of uh, Conan, that's actually better than he was doing 
Plus, a lot of those young folks are kind of hanging around. And so uh, it's been good for George Lopez, I think. <laughs> I'm not complaining, man. I'm, everything's fine. Go ahead, Brad. Yeah, I would, I would imagine. And, and speaking of a, a, a bad year, I guess, you know, one name that comes to mind, at least those still living, is Mel Gibson. <laughs> Alex, <laughs> what's going to happen with this guy's career, do you think? Well, you know, uh, people have been resurrected before, so I won't underestimate him. But I have to tell you, that if you can screw up a career, this guy has done it. And it's not just his career. It's his life, his marriage, his family, his career, his image have all suffered incredibly, uh, particularly in 2010. And uh, let's look at a couple of things that have happened. One, uh, you know, we all know that uh, he's had this personal mess. He broke up his long marriage. He has lots of kids, and they're all now without daddy, and uh, at least in the same way. And uh, he had an affair with this woman who he's now in a major lawsuit with and may even lead, lead to criminal activity uh, after she released a bunch of tapes in which he says all kinds of derogatory things about various ethnic groups and others and uses a lot of racial slurs. And uh, the result was that uh, when he was cast in a cameo in the movie Hangover 2, uh, the cast, not the director, not the studio, but the cast rose up and said, we don't want to work with this guy. And he got pushed out of the movie in a very embarrassing way. The other movie that he actually has in the can is called The Beaver, and he's the star of it. It was directed by Jodie Foster, who also plays his co-star in the movie. And that's uh, Summit Entertainment had scheduled that for release in uh, December of 2010. Last I heard, it's back on the shelf and in limbo uh, because they don't feel this is an appropriate time to bring out a movie called The Beaver starring uh, Mel Gibson. Yeah. And yeah. so uh, at this point, he, uh, as they say, can't get arrested in Hollywood. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you can't underestimate him. Look how much money he made on The Passion of the Christ, although he now claims he spent most of it. I don't know where it's gone. Uh, but he made millions and millions of dollars. So he could yeah. direct another movie. He could do many things. But, uh, you know, for a guy who was on top of the world, he's now down at the bottom of the hill again. And even if he's rich, his reputation's in tatters. And I don't know what's going to happen to him. Interesting. But in general, let's take one more individual. Financially speaking, uh, Alex, uh, dying was a great career move for Michael Jackson, wouldn't you say? Well, uh, you know, I'll never say that dying is a great career move for anybody, but I have to say that since he died, it has revived his career. Because if you remember back prior to his death, his career really wasn't in a very good place. Uh, his records, his concerts, and other things that he'd done hadn't uh, performed the way that he might have hoped. Then when he died, everybody remembered the good things about him. And uh, last year, uh, Michael Jackson, after his death, his estate raked in more than $275 million, uh, according to an estimate by Forbes magazine. And that made uh, the so-called king of pop not only number one on the list of dead celebrities, but number one on the list of all celebrities last year. <laughs> and uh, this is aside from the uh, $25 million or so that his estate still rakes in from owning uh, their piece of the Beatles catalog. Uh, and, you know, the movie This Is It was a big hit, made a lot of money. There's Jackson-themed video games, memorabilia. They re-released his autobiography. Uh, they owned his music. Uh, they've even started putting out music that uh, he never apparently intended to put out, uh, working tracks and stuff he did that he didn't like, that all is sitting on a shelf. Now, little by little, is beginning to dribble out, in some cases remade or... Uh, other groups have come in and added to it. There's even been a controversy in some cases about whether it's really him singing. But uh, the people who put it out insist it is him. 
And uh, despite some family members saying they doubt it, apparently it is him. But uh, from a business point of view, there's no question that Michael Jackson has become a more valuable property than he's been in years, and unfortunate that he had to die to do it. I'll be curious yeah. to see what happens to the uh, to the kids, because the kids have become a lot more visible these days than they ever were before as well. They have, and, uh, you know, they're still relatively young, and we don't know what they're going to decide to do, uh, acting, music, or become truck drivers. I don't know what's going to happen to them, but... <laughs> Uh, certainly, they're going to have a lot of money to play with, and you know they're being raised by the grandmother in a, a compound in Encino, not far from where I live. And uh, you know, I wish them good luck. It's not easy to lose the the person who was uh, your one and only parent. Whatever happened to Neverland? Did that go away, or is that still around, or what? Well, remember he mortgaged Neverland, interestingly, to a uh, a company that is the company that's now buying Miramax, called Colony Capital. Uh, held the loan on it and now controls Neverland, and uh, they want to develop it, and they've, they've talked about developing it, but the problem is that there's no access roads to it that can handle huge crowds. So you, before you can make it into a theme park or an amusement park or uh, even a memorial in a significant way, you'd have to do all this infrastructure work. Hmm. And uh, the state of California, I don't know if you've heard or not, but we have a little financial crisis here. <laughs> and yeah. uh, they apparently don't think uh, spending billions of dollars to put roads in so you can go to Neverland and see where he kept his kangaroo and his uh, giraffe is important right now. So <laughs> I understand. It's unclear that Colony Capital is going to be able to you know, get that to pay off. They've got enough problems figuring out how to make their uh, buy of Miramax for a price that seems way over the top uh, work out. So there good luck go. to them. Oh, yeah. Well, as we wrap up this segment, uh, one final question, which is a great uh, positive, I think, to end on. You tell me, Alex, but looking back, was 2010 a good year for the box office? It was a okay year uh, and a profitable year, and because of 3D in particular, it was a year in which uh, a lot of the exhibitors and distributors made a lot of money. Uh, and interestingly, what's happened is there are fewer movies being released worldwide, especially the big movies. But the gross overall has gone up. So on a per-movie basis, they're actually making more money on each movie they put out. And so that's uh, the good news. The bad news is it's not really shared equally. If you're one of the big six studios or a really major player, uh, you can participate in this big bonanza. If you're an independent or an art film company or an exhibitor who specializes in more limited releases, things are not going very good. The recession has hit you hard. But, uh, uh, you know, Toy Story 3, uh, at this point, still is the top-grossing movie of the year. Uh, Avatar actually was second biggest of the year, even though it was released in 2009. Uh, other big movies this year included uh, Disney's Alice in Wonderland, again in 3D, Iron Man 2, and, of course, the Twilight Saga Eclipse, one of the many Twilights that have come and with more to come. And maybe the most interesting movie of the year, the most original and uh, the biggest hit among all movies that nobody saw coming was Inception, which came out in the summer from Warner Brothers. And uh, it was Chris Nolan, who, of course, has given, given us the last couple of Batman movies. And uh, that movie made a ton of money. Uh, you know, it was the kind of movie you could watch six times and still not know what you're watching. But it, it was very entertaining, I thought. We're going to continue our conversation here, take a short break, and come back and uh, continue the conversation with uh, our, our friend and uh, a great contributor to the advertising show, Alex Benblock, here with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsythe. Advertising show is powered by Shipple.com. It's S-C-H-I-P-U-L.com and a platform called Tendency. Check it out. It'll do something cool to your marketing efforts online. And uh, back in just a minute. 
You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Never borrow money, needlessly, just when you must. Alex Ben Block is back with us. Alex is the award-winning entertainment industry journalist, author, commentator, and talk show host, senior editor of The Hollywood Reporter, lead editor on the book George Lucas's Blockbusting, published to great acclaim earlier this year, and uh, also show business historian for Hollywood Today. As we say, uh, Alex has had many lives because he's had way too many jobs to be in one life. But we, we, we think that's kind of cool. So, Alex, welcome back. Good to have you here. Well, thank you. It's nice to have a life. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, before we wrap up the uh, movie business and move on to the small screen, one final question. Some of the high points, uh, Alex, of this past year's Oscars, starting with, I guess, the biggest deal, which was a female winning the Oscar for Best Director, huh? Indeed. Uh, you know, uh, it was kind of a surprise. Everybody kind of thought Avatar was going to be the movie that would... Uh, sweep the Oscars, but of course that's not the way it worked out. And Hurt Locker, a little movie that uh, arguably is the least seen best picture in the history of the Oscars, uh, instead was named Best Picture, and, uh, it, and its director uh, was named Best Director as well, and she uh, becomes the first woman to be named Best Director, so uh, I guess we're making some kind of progress. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, as we move into small screen uh, chat for a moment, when you talk about this past uh, TV season, you have to include the tail end of fall 2009 and on into 2010. How were the TV ratings for this past full year of uh, television, Alex? Well, uh, you know, it's actually uh, been an interesting year. The networks have kind of made a comeback. In 2009, 2010, no surprise that the top rated show once again was American Idol. Uh, Dancing with the Stars, again, had a great year. Uh, NBC, which has not had a good year otherwise, uh, has Sunday Night Football, and when that's on, they do very well. Uh, CBS continues in terms of uh, total viewers to be the dominant network uh, with shows like NCIS and The Mentalist and CSI. They also had uh, the biggest new hit of the year, uh, one of them at least, in Undercover Boss, uh, which is very highly rated, and of course, uh, despite the fact that Charlie Sheen keeps getting himself in hot water one way or another, <laughs> Two and a Half Men yeah. continues to be hot. And they also have the Big Bang Theory, which really broke out in the last year and became uh, one of the big hit comedies of the year. So uh, Fox, uh, when they have Idol, uh, continues to do very well. They did bring uh, 24 was probably the most important series that came to an end this year, unless, of course, you think it was lost, but I think it was 24. Uh, but uh, overall, CBS had a very good year. Fox had a good year. NBC, not so good, and maybe the new owners will be able to figure it out. What about, uh, the, I have a question real quick, uh, Charlie Sheen, number one. What, what, what's your feeling about that whole situation, Alex? What, what's cooking there? He's America's bad boy, and we seem to like him for it. We always had a little affection for bad boys in this culture, and it seems like the worst he, stuff he does, and uh, you know, beating up his wife, uh, trashing hotel rooms, uh, getting drunk, uh, going out with prostitutes, whatever he does, it's like, oh, yeah, that's the guy he plays on TV on Two and a Half Men. He's just like him. And uh, we all giggle and we say, okay, and we watch uh, Charlie do it again. So I mean, he may be screwing up his life. He may be uh, a character who's on the way to an early death. What do I know? But uh, from a TV audience point of view, the guy is Teflon. It's amazing how, if anything, 
He trashed a hotel room, and the ratings went up for his show, not down. <laughs> so maybe you should trash some more hotel rooms. Yeah, maybe we ought to try that, Brad. We we didn't do that in Nashville, but I was kind of wishing that we did. Uh, but And also had a question about the television show Medium. There was rumors that that is uh, coming to a conclusion with not even the, the final couple of episodes being shot. Is that true? Yeah, it's sort of like a car that ran out of gas uh, before the trip ended. Hmm. Uh, the ratings have been going down. And uh, not only is it not doing well on the network, but Lifetime bought the rights to reshow episodes of Medium and paid a lot of money for it, and it was an unmitigated disaster. Mm-hmm. They've now pulled it off the air, and they have to pay out millions and millions of dollars they promised to pay anyway, even though the show didn't perform for them and they no longer air it. So oh. uh, Medium turns out not to be well done. <laughs> and finished. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, staying with TV for a second and moving on into the fall programming that we're right in the middle of right now, Alex, uh, I understand NBC recently announced a bit of a shuffle for their primetime line- lineup on Thursday night, I guess, hoping to resurrect the old must-see TV uh, Thursday night, uh, moving outsource to a later time frame, uh, hoping to close the gap on ABC. Bring us up to date on what's happening this fall in television ratings, and what do you think of this latest move by NBC? Well, I'm happy to, even though some people say NBC now stands for Nobody Cares. <laughs> uh, they did decide to have an all-comedy night on Thursday, which is a little unusual. Remember, 10 o'clock, they had taken Jay Leno out and put dramas back in, which is more the traditional slot of how you fill that 10 o'clock hour. Now the dramas haven't performed as well as they hoped. Uh, of course, pretty much everything on NBC hasn't performed as they hoped except football. And uh, so they've moved the shows, and they've taken 30 Rock, which has been, up until this season, doing really quite well, winning a lot of awards, getting a lot of attention, building an audience. And it's like the air went out of the balloon on that show this year. And so maybe in an effort to save it, maybe in an effort to kill it, I don't know what they're doing. They've moved it to 10 o'clock, which is an odd time for a comedy like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, if they go to more adult content, maybe that'll work, because they could do that at 10 o'clock. But, uh, you know, they have gone back and they're trying to be must-see TV again. But, uh, you know, TV isn't like it was. When they had must-see TV back those years ago, there weren't as many networks and alternatives. And there weren't all these uh, other things, video games and Hulu and Netflix and this and that. Uh, And so it's a different world now. And so they're trying to establish their brand. And they're doing it at a time they're about to go through this huge change of ownership. And so, uh, you know, it's been a tough year for NBC and... uh, Comcast uh, better have a lot of geniuses lined up to fix it. That's all I know. <laughs> Get it fixed. Let's take a break here, Brad, for just a moment on the advertising show. Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth, and our very special guest, as always, Alex Benblock here. Out of Los Angeles uh, this weekend, uh, we've got Alex for not only this weekend, but for next weekend as well at theadvertisingshow.com. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in just a minute. We are back with Alex Ben Block here at the Advertising Show. Ray Schilling, Fred Forsyth. Alex is an award-winning entertainment industry journalist, author, commentator, and talk show host. And uh, just seems to know a little bit about everything, or probably a lot about everything as it relates to our entertainment industry. And uh, welcome back, Alex. Thank you. And we can't finish talking about TV programming and ratings without talking about cable news ratings for 2010. CNN is really struggling to figure out what their brand is all about, but yet it's such a shame, Alex, because CNN was once uh, such a wonderful brand, and, and they've kind of lost it, I guess, as a, as a result of what, Fox? Yeah, well, Fox uh, certainly has been a game changer, and they now dominate cable news ratings. 
and I mean dominate. Uh, I'm just looking at the numbers here, and in the uh, 25 to 54, uh, you know, their ratings are uh, almost triple what CNN is getting, and uh, uh, almost triple what MSNBC is getting, and uh, more like six times what CNBC is getting. Uh, so uh, the world has kind of changed. You know, I like CNN, and I like the kind of news they do, but uh, it's very hard to compete because people don't see them except uh, when there's, like, big breaking news. You know, if a plane hits the tower or the world is blowing up, everybody goes to CNN to see what's going on. Yeah, the guys in the mine, the same thing, right? Right, but the rest of the time they don't. What you have is very loyal viewers, older white men for the most part, who watch Fox News for long periods of time and like the point of view. Uh, the days when we had three network shows and they all tried to be fair and balanced, uh, to borrow a phrase from Fox, uh, are long over. And now what you have more is lots of choices, and people can go to the news show that talks to them the way they want to be talked to and says what they want to hear and filters everything through that filter. So if you're a Republican and conservative and don't like Obama, then the Fox News Channel is uh, very comforting. You can go there and they'll just keep bashing uh, Obama and doing all the stuff you expect them to do, sort of like a lot of what you hear on uh, right-wing talk radio. Uh, yeah. CNN has tried to counter it, but they also have the problem that some of the uh, horses who've been pulling them along for years are kind of running out of gas. So Larry King, who's been steadfast and been a major presence there for so many years, is now retiring, and uh, they went through a lot of changes in other parts of the network. So they're having a hard time. MSNBC has tried to be sort of a liberal alternative sometimes, and I think Keith Oberman and a couple other personalities have really popped there. CNBC doesn't get big numbers, but it manages to convince everybody that it's got a business audience in the day. Who it is, I have no idea, but <laughs> they're able to charge a lot for their ads. Mm -hmm. And headline news is perked up a little bit anyway. Uh, it was It's doing a little bit better with some new personalities and stuff. So uh, the, the truth is that Fox News Channel dominates in cable news. There's their new Fox Business Channel has struggled a little bit, but it's growing slowly. It's still way uh, back in the pack. But uh, you can't underestimate, you know, I may not like Glenn Beck or I may not agree with O'Reilly, but they sure do draw big numbers on a very consistent basis. You know, circling back for a moment to, uh, to uh, Larry King, I like what John Stewart said on the interview. He says, Larry... You're getting out just in time. You know the, the building's burning. Get out. Did they? Uh, but did they come up with somebody to replace uh, Larry as well? I, I don't recall. I think Piers Morgan. He's oh, Piers. Yeah, that's guy. right. He's been a judge on some entertainment shows. He was a uh, talk show and host and interviewer in England. Uh, and apparently, they think that uh, he's the genius who can uh, fill Larry King's very large shoes. Seems to me that they ought to just let the show go away and and be that you know the end of the show, so to speak. Just go dead at eight o'clock every night and let everybody go somewhere else and come back at nine. That's uh, possibly so. They'll run an infomercial, you know, one of those uh, hometic products or something, right? I think there's enough of those on there already. <laughs> good, Brent. You know, uh, let me ask you this. I've heard there's a rumor that we really are all going to live to see the end of the Harry Potter spinoffs. Any truth to that rumor, Alex? Well, yes, because there's only a limited number of books, and it turns out that uh, we're down to the last two Harry Potter movies, one opening this year and one opening next year. And uh, so Warner Brothers has, uh, you know, had a great run. The Harry Potter film fr franchise is the highest-grossing film series of all time, although not fully adjusted for inflation, I guess you could argue about some of this stuff, but it's grossed over $5.4 billion worldwide in receipts. 
And that doesn't even begin to talk about licensed merchandise and so forth. And uh, you know, there have been six movies. We're, we're seeing number seven at the end of this uh, 2010. We'll see number eight. And then at that point, that appears to be the last one for a while, unless uh, uh, the author changes her mind and decides uh, to write some more books or uh, she dies and they hire somebody else, just like they do with James Bond, to go write some more. But at this point, it's not happening. Instead, Warner Brothers is now committed to The Hobbit as a franchise. They're making a couple of Hobbit movies. Peter Jackson is directing them. Of course, we did a Lord of the Rings. Uh, so the Harry Potter franchise is still with us, but uh, the end is in sight. Well, I'm for one, I'm not going to be sad about that. The Pacific was a great HBO miniseries with some famous names behind the production. How could it not be a success, Alex? Right, Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg were among the producers. Uh, I thought it was a great miniseries, and... Uh, it uh, it just about swept uh, its categories. It won eight awards at the Emmys, the most for any program this year, including outstanding miniseries. Uh, it was also the, arguably the most expensive television show uh, miniseries ever made. Uh, according to uh, Gary Getzman, one of the executive producers, it cost them, after they got a rebate from the Australians, around $200 million to produce those 10 hours. So if we're talking movies, that's 20, 10, 20, 20, 10, 20 million dollar movies, uh, which for a miniseries is pretty extraordinary. But and especially since it didn't really have a cast you've ever heard of. I mean, I'd be hard pressed to tell you the names of any of those actors. Uh, but uh, they did a terrific job of recreating the war in the Pacific in a very powerful way. It was very violent, at times almost so violent. You know, I had to turn my head away, but. It was very realistic and very powerful, very well done, very historically accurate, and a great piece of television that uh, won many awards, and I have no doubt will live on uh, in home video for many, many generations to come. You're listening to The Advertising Show here with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. And, uh, Brad, I'm, I'm thinking that we could probably wrap up uh, this segment at least uh, right now and uh, pick up uh, with Alex next week. How's that sound to you? Let's do it. All right, on The Advertising Show. Back with more in just a minute, and also back with Alex Van Block uh, next week. We hope you'll stay with us and uh, come back next week as well here with Ray and Brad on the Advertising Show. Always a, a good time at hand when you invite Alex Van Block over to play. Uh, he, he always brings uh, a lot of cool stuff, and uh, today was no exception. And we're having him back next week as well, so we'll get a chance to... Uh, get a little bit more insight from Alex, what's going on in L.A., around the world, on the movies, on television, in the entertainment industry, because that's what he does so good. So we thank you for that, Alex. And uh, we hope uh, you'll be back as well next week for uh, for the advertising show and uh, part two with Alex Ben Block as we wrap up this year. Employees in ads, uh, sometimes a good thing, sometimes not. Uh, Pizza Hut goes for slices of real life, they're saying. Uh, this is out of uh, Dallas News, the Dallas Morning News. It says, if, uh, if the, that Pizza Hut server looks really familiar, it might be because you remember him from high school, or it might be because <laughs> you saw him in a nationally televised TV spot. You used to call him Pizza Face. Now, for the first time uh, uh, since maybe ever the nation's largest pizza purveyor, they say, is using celebrities and uh, looking to servers, bartenders, and a franchise exec to pitch pasta, chicken wings, and an extra helping of authenticity. And I've always felt this, Brad. You know, I, when we create uh, commercials, it, I think it's absolutely, absolutely wonderful to hear from 
the end user, especially this keeps uh, those advertisers that want to talk about themselves as opposed to, uh, you know, what the end user is doing. It, it, it kind of cements the opportunity. Well, they can't talk about themselves because they've got somebody who actually uses the product. In this particular case, yeah. they're using the authenticity of uh, people who uh, actually work at the Pizza Hut. And I kind of like that, too. I think it's a great idea. A lot more authentic, I think. And people are... You know, consumers, viewers, listeners to radio, readers of ads, they're all smarter than most advertisers give them credit. And if you can let your uh, employee speak on behalf of your company, I think it cuts through and makes people believe that it's not a script, although in some cases it is. But at least they think it's more authentic and delivered by a real person. So you're exactly right. Is it cool in in the studio that you're sitting in right now? Because I noticed you're wearing that Snuggie that I gave you last year. Yeah, well, the feet are nice, especially. I like that, the little the little uh, feet that come with that. It's quite nice, and well, I appreciate that. Well, I was going to mention that the uh, Christmas campaign for Snuggie-clad caroler, carolers, that's hard to say, carolers, mm-hmm. uh, will be singing We Wish You a Snuggie Christmas this year in ads created in-house. A good reason why you don't want to create ads in-house. You want to hire an ad agency. Anyway, uh, you may recall uh, in an attempt to expand the brand last year, they introduced Snuggie products for dogs. Uh, I don't know. They they won't say exactly how well they're doing, but they just do say that they did very well. What are they going to do? Say they sold five of them? Anyway, this year, I thought it was interesting that the company will be debuting Snuggie in camouflage, skull and crossbones, mm-hmm. and peace sign patterns. Well, there you go. That's right up our alley. That's that's good. I like that. I'll, I, well, if you're if you've got the one with the peace sign pattern, you may want to check before you light that bong to make sure that they are. <laughs> that would fire. be that would be a fine cigar. Okay, and I'd probably be just as just as cautious in that regard. But uh, yeah. thank you for that. And I actually got you the uh, the holiday. Uh, a selection of Depends. They come in a variety of really nice uh, uh, fragrances, if you know what I'm saying. Um, I do know what you're saying, and I appreciate that. <laughs> Nobody ever thought of that. but uh, I didn't know they came in coconut. <laughs> Guess we've given them some ideas here. But anyway, so what are you getting for Christmas? And I'm asking our listeners. Uh, have a good holiday. Be careful as you're shopping and, and doing all the stuff that... Uh, that helps drive the economy <laughs> and hope you've gotten some good bargains along the way too let's not forget what the season is all about is all about as well and uh we will see you and uh, ray and brad and uh alex ben block next week here at the advertising show which by ha- by has happened to be pre- presented by advertising age magazine i can talk visit online at age.com the advertising show is a copyrighted big radio midgets production that i know Why do more media professionals read IWantMedia.com? IWantMedia.com features reports from industry leaders and media personalities. IWantMedia.com gives you quick access to news, stats, trade orgs, and industry publications, and it's updated daily. Forbes says IWantMedia.com contains everything media professionals need to stay ahead of the game. The Washington Post calls it the source for the serious media geek. Do you get it? If you don't, you should. To sign up for free daily email alerts, visit IWantMedia.com.